Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm John Herrick, and I took a lift <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. Atheist, atheist, from your favorite water cooler around the office, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I am your seagull of a host. That means I fly in, make lots of noise, shit all over everything, and then leave. Joining me today is the office team, prone to insult. I guess you got a concussion from bouncing your head off the glass ceiling, Nancy. Oh, glass ceiling. There you go. A little crack here and there, it always is good. <laughs> when he's in the office, he's lost in thought. After all, it's unfamiliar, unfamiliar territory to him, Tyler. <laughs> opening a beer. <laughs> Figured that'd be a good intro for today. <laughs> he does the work of three men, Larry, Curly, and Mo. Our friend Kevin's back. Hey, Kev. Hello. Glad to be here. Hi, Kev. <laughs> Love your name, by the way. Oh, I know. We got a great name. Not this shit. Again. We should just we should just change the name. Instead of Left of the Valley, it's just the Kevins are taking over. <laughs> the Kevins and those two other people that show up sometimes. And we are here <laughs> to pump you up. <laughs> Guys, welcome back. Today we're gonna have a very interesting show about. Uh, we have a very. Get, you want to you want to talk about our guest that's be that'll be coming up, Tyler? You want to uh, say a few things? Yeah. Okay. So John Hammond, just like everybody else, is a member of my group, discussion group for intellectuals. And uh, hey, I hey, you using this this podcast to push your platform? Absolutely. Self promotion all the way. We also have T-shirts in the back. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, John Hammond is that the guy who built Jurassic Park? Yes. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. Uh, I saw him post in a different group where he had kind of an intro where he was explaining that his parents were anthropologists and <laughs> he got really into, you know, where Judaism came from with the Mesopotamian belief system and, you know, the similarities between, you know, the Epic of Gilgamesh flood and Noah's Ark and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, we talked a little bit in that group and I added him as a friend and posted him in my group and it uh, turns out that he has his own little YouTube thing called the gospel of john and so the he, gospel according to john is what we'll do today that's what it's called and he, right. he reads stuff from the bible but he makes it absolutely hilarious like very vulgar but hilarious as well so before we get to john we'll do a bit of chit chat um did you guys know um <laughs> yes we have to talk about u.s politics right we just have to um remember yuri geller yeah. You remember Yuri Geller? Sure. He was that charlatan that used to bend spoons. Bend spoons, yeah. Uh, and yeah, he yeah. was debunked by our friend James Randi on uh, the John D. Carson show. He came out of whatever rock he crawled under last time. This <laughs> With week. a spoon? With a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> a bent spoon. And he he made a prediction about the U.S. election. He said the next president is going to be Donald Trump. And do you know how he found that out? 
Oh. The amount of uh, letters in his name? That's right. Because <laughs> Donald Trump has 11 letters. And for some reason, 11 is a powerful number. I tell you, in this election, that makes just as much sense as every other poll that's going on. Oh. So he went on to give other examples of the famous uh, people of power with 11 letters, uh, like um, John Kennedy. And not John F. Kennedy, but just John Kennedy and George W. Bush. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. So, Sounds like uh, some pretty solid science there. It totally is. So yeah. I really think we should just stop uh, chasing uh, the, the, these... Uh, Do you realize how much money that saves during a campaign? I mean, if if someone wants to run for office in the states, or is it is it just confined to the states, or he'll do this with any country? Well, you know, I think we should test that, because if if you don't know... Tyler Laguerre. I have eleven. Has eleven yeah. letters. Well, I was then just going to say, I should run for prime minister. Just, you just not. Oh, but then if you nominate people from each side that have eleven n- n- letters in their name, then what happens? Then you flip a dice or a coin or whatever. Then you have to. <laughs> <type right there>. <laughs> <laughs> you have the magic cue ball. The, <laughs> the magic cue <eight> ball. <laughs> but so. he didn't. Yuri. Yuri didn't cover what happens if you have two candidates with eleven letters in their name. That no. didn't occur to him that that might be a possibility. You, you need to read the, the chicken entrails at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she leaves in this case. Well, as yeah. long as it's scientific, who cares, right? <laughs> and while we're on the, the topic of U.S. election, this coming Monday. Oh we have man! The, uh, <laughs> what do I call it? The rumble Katie bar the, the door. That's the right. The dumb and dumber. The <laughs> the, the uh, debate between Hillary uh, and Donald Trump. Oh, my door is locked. My phone is <laughs> off. Don't even I, come I near a, the the door and wave at me. I'm, I have a feeling I'm that's going to bomb hooked. for some reason. Oh my goodness, guys! Holy, that's going to bomb. Do you hear that? Well, I think I think Hillary's going to mop the floor <laughs> with him. Well, Hillary's name has thirteen letters in it, so I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. 11, Donald's going to win. Yeah. <laughs> 13's bad luck, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, if he wins, it's going to be, you know, a pretty, pretty sh- short presidency because he's going to get impeached maybe even before he takes the oath or maybe two minutes after. So whether he wins or not at this point's moot. <laughs> tax evasion. He's not going to, he's not going to make it through. Yeah. Tax and fraud. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, if you it's want a to toss up, up this at yeah. this point. I'm, I'm not sure ten. I want to lower my IQ any lower than this. I might not watch. So anyway, <laughs> you ready well, to go? I'll Nancy? I'll watch and give you a report. So not to worry. <laughs> let's go with this day in history. Okay, let's do that. Um, oh, it's me that's doing that. Then I guess I'm ready. <laughs> and this day in history, as we know for now, is a roundup of those events and people that altered and illuminated the days between September the 19th to September the 25th. And we're going to do something a little bit different today. I love you know, trying. You've been something. going off script for the past couple of shows. Where are you going with this? <laughs> well, you know, traditional just goes so far, and then you have to be innovative. So today we're going to be a little innovative in that I'm going to run through some of the the fun dates between the 19th and the 25th, and then we're going to devote the bulk of our history segment to one event that does take in history, but but I think it covers a lot of ground that. Uh, Listeners and everybody's really going to enjoy. Not so a little baseball, we'll, oh, yeah. Is it? We'll start. <laughs> at least I, my fingers are crossed here. <laughs> no, it's going to be a lot of fun. September the nineteenth was Fall Astronomy Day. The twentieth was Universal Children's Day in Germany. The twenty-first was International Day of Peace. By the way, did anybody celebrate or do anything for the International Day of Peace? I started a war. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> appropriate. 
And then we come to September the 22nd, which was One Web Day, which is an annual day of internet celebration and awareness, which started in 2006, and the first day of fall, which was uh, a chilly day. No, it's not. Summer's over. I know. I didn't even see it. You had a week and a half of good summer. I know. I know. It's not my favorite. I don't mind fall. It's when winter just sort of creeps up. I was, there was a really cute cartoon, it was a, a uh, uh, um, uh, Snoopy, Charlie Brown cartoon, and, and Charlie Brown is talking to Woodstock, and they're talking about the, the seasons and how fast summer went by and how it just flies by, and Charlie Brown says, summer flies, winter walks. And that's just the way it is. We're it's coming true. up. We're coming it up crawls. to the long slushy yeah, walk in say, our boots. You're in Saskatchewan. It crawls. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Anyway, coming up to September the 22nd, it was the day of a an award celebration that I'd never heard of before, and I don't know whether whether you or any of our listeners. And it's called the Ig Nobel Prizes. Have you ever heard Ig of the Ig Nobel, Ig Nobel Prizes? And they are an annual um, ceremony um, at Harvard. And what it is, it's, it's a silly celebration of seemingly dubious science. And it's run by a satirical journal called Annals of Improbable Research. Oh, she and said you said Annals. Yeah, <laughs> Annals. Annals of Improbable. When did you do Annals? That, this, I think it goes either Annals way. and Annals. actually done some important work, Nancy. A- annals and Annals. <laughs> That's true. Uh, this is quality radio. I, I may have to way. stop while I'm ahead here. <laughs> anyway, the, the main objective is to honor research that first makes you laugh and then makes you think. Think, and it's all in good fun, and the honorees frequently travel to the ceremony on their own dime to accept the awards. So the winners are announced, and it's on a live webcast, so you can go to the website of the Ig Nobel Prizes, or you can go to YouTube and see the, the whole thing live. So this was the 26th year. We've never heard about it, and it was the 26th year. So oh, yeah, no, from good. now on, we are going to follow it. They found out why, uh, why shower curtains go in. Instead of, <laughs> that was one of the prizes from a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you, like, I, turn the water on? Yeah. That's how, yeah, there you go, Kevin. So the name is a play on words. The Ig Nobel, um, which is um, Ig, which is characterized by baseness, lowness, or meanness, and the Nobel Prize. So it is the Ig Nobel, not Ig Nobel. So it's Ig Nobel. And the awards are presented uh, for all of these discoveries that cannot or should not be reproduced. So the award ceremony is generally closed with the words, if you didn't win a prize, and especially if you did, better luck next time. So here's this year's crop of winners. Uh, Those who attended, this is really good, those who attended the ceremony were given just 60 seconds for their acceptance speeches, which is a long-standing rule that is vigorously enforced. So the, the Oscars could take a, could take a, a, a lesson from that. So... The Reproduction Prize uh, went to a group for studying the effects of wearing polyester, cotton, or wool trousers on the sex life of rats, and then for conducting similar tests with human males. (laughs) (laughs) That that went into the annals, and that was was a real... (laughs) Can I sign up for those experiments, or... (laughs) You just get so, paid to have sex. Sounds yeah, good. Yeah, but yeah. you have to have sex with the rats. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
just so, kill everything, Kevin. <laughs> Other Kevin. There were two, actually, the, the, there were two papers published on this research, one in 1993 and one in 1992, but he just got the, got the award. It was delivered posthumously. The Economics Prize went to a group for assessing the perceived personalities of rocks from a sales and marketing perspective. <laughs> pet rocks or not? Pet, pet rocks. And that went to a trio of researchers. That, that was really funny. The, uh, chemi- the, the physics prize went to a group of scientists for discovering why white-haired horses are the most horsefly-proof horses and for discovering why dragonflies are fatally attracted to black tombstones. They did. Something I didn't know. <laughs> they did the research on that. I could go. In, I could actually go into the research, but it's just—it's so funny just to give you the titles of the prizes. Is this it, Wikipedia? <laughs> no, this is they actually. They actually. These are actual research studies that were conducted. I'm just wondering where you found it because I could go read this shit. <laughs> <laughs> the physics prize. Went for dis- uh, oh the chemistry prize went to Volkswagen for solving the problem of excessive automobile pollu- pollution emissions by automatically electromechanically producing fewer emissions whenever cars are being tested. <laughs> that was kind of a black eye. <laughs> that was a black eye for them. The med- the medicine prize went for discovering that if you have an itch on the left side of your body. You can relieve it by looking into a mirror and scratching the right side of your body and vice versa. Interesting. (laughs) The biology prize, there were two in that category. For one, living in the wild was at different times a badger, an otter, a deer, a fox, and a bird. And for creating prosthetic extensions of his of, of limbs that whoops uh, wait a minute we gotta gotta get that a little bit mixed up here the biology let me get back to this one here um the oh uh, my goodness i'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a problem with the biology we'll leave that skip we'll the leave biology that go. yeah we'll we'll leave that it's go all greek to me anyway We'll leave that go for a minute. Uh, the biology, the uh, psychology prize uh, went to a group for asking a thousand liars how often they lie and for deciding whether to believe the answers. The Peace Prize went to a scholarly study called On the Reception and Detection of Pseudo-Profound Bullshit. Which <laughs> the Literature Prize went to a three-volume autobiographical work about the pleasures of collecting flies that are dead and flies that are not yet dead. There's a, yeah. there's a collection that you don't want to have a tour through for sure. And the Perception Prize, da-da, for investigating whether things look different when you bend over and view them between your legs. It's oh. a poster. <laughs> oh, the jokes are abound. The jokes are abound for that. Absolutely. Um, nope. So there they are. And it's just, it's just wonderful, you know, to think that that the uh, the journal discovered all of these over the 26 years and they actually have a ceremony at Harvard and deliver the uh, and the, the prizes are, are delivered by actual um, um, Nobel Prize laureates oh, really? yeah 
It's like the Inquisitive Mind wants to know. It's like the Croc Duck Awards, eh? Okay, like, so now we go back. I found the, the the Nobel Prize in Biology. Sorry for the uh, for the problem. The Nobel Prize in Biology um, honored several wild animals such as goats and badgers. Two scientists won the award for separate projects. Um, one of the the uh, biologists, Charles Foster, lived in the wild at different times. As he lived in the wild as a badger, an honor, otter, a deer, a fox, and a bird. Was a swift, if anybody cares. And according to, um, to the statement, uh, it, it, it was his, his um, research as to how it felt living in the wild as those different. Uh, animals, and then the other fellow won for creating prosthetic extensions of his limbs that allowed him to move in the manner of and spend time roaming hills in the company of goats. So he became was he Scottish? <laughs> he became the the goat man, <laughs> and he he dressed up as a goat, complete with a prosthetic stomach for digesting grass and artificial legs, and went across the Alps and living with other goats. Did he shit in the woods? Uh, yeah, I, no, that's, a, I, I that's a bear. Bet he did. Oh right, that's not a goat. Anyway, so that's just that's just sort of a that's just sort of a a, a fun history going through the research this time. And that, dear listeners, and I'm sure you are ready to bring this to a close. <laughs> another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and occasionally bizarre events and people that make up this day in history. Oh my God. <laughs> I felt pretty enriched by that. That's, that's cool. And my day is much better. <laughs> I'm not sure the audience would agree with that one. Enriched <laughs> like uranium. Uranium. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not fissionable. I don't know. <laughs> well, while we, well, let's take a break to uh, gather our thoughts about that. <laughs> we'll be right <laughs> back right after this. Uh. Three, two, one. Hi. I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. Here's an excerpt from Our Constitution, The Way It Was by Dr. Madeline O'Hare. Seemingly, no one knew just what to do. There was no clear-cut program. Some wanted to try to continue to negotiate with the British government. Others wanted to continue the armed revolt in the hopes of forcing the king and parliament to remedy their grievances. There was no one, apparently, who had the vision to call for complete severance of all political ties with Britain and to found a new nation. The situation remained stalemated until the end of the year. Then, in January 1775, Thomas Paine's pamphlet, Common Sense, came off the press. It was like a fresh wind clearing away a fog. In the simple yet forceful language that characterizes all his writings, Paine showed the absurdity of continuing a relationship of colonies to a mother country. 
Why, he asked, should the colonies, already peopled with three million inhabitants and destined to expand to cover a vast continent, be ruled from a small island 3,000 miles away? Why continue to be subjects of a tyrant king when the way was open to be citizens of a free republic? This pamphlet spread like wildfire. The small presses of the time could not keep up with the demand. Hundreds of thousands of copies were issued and penetrated to every colony in a short time. Paine's arguments were unanswerable. They left no middle ground. All talk of compromise and further petitions to Parliament died out. Find this audiobook and many more at AtheistAudiobooks.com What is secular humanism? Critical thinking. Knowledge is freedom. Freedom from ignorance and its offspring, fear. The BC Humanist Association has been active in the Vancouver area for over 25 years. We offer a friendly and welcoming place to make new friends, as well as free educational lectures. We invite you to join us any Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Oak Ridge Senior Center. Please visit our website for more details at bchumanist.ca. And we're back. You can't be talking when the music's coming in like that, dude. We have to somewhat pretend to be professionals. I don't shut up sober. <sighs> Famous last word. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today we'll be talking to John. What's his last name? John Hammond. Right. Sorry, John. Sorry, John. About uh, all his uh, his projects. But before we do that. Let's do our uh, segment that, that we always like to hear about. Another brilliant, brilliant moment, moment brought to you by religion. religion. <laughs> oh, yes, the weird and wacky world of religion. Um, this one comes out of the UK. It's kind of funny, actually. Uh, a school is apologizing after students were given a homophobic math test. Now, you know, you think of math as, you know, math doesn't really have a political view or anything like that, but apparently math does in the UK. A math test preaching against same-sex marriage by claiming that God intended people to be straight caused concern and outrage at a grammar school in Buckinghamshire in the UK. LBC reports pupils at the Royal Grammar School in High Wycombe, Buckinghamshire, were shocked to find a question on their math test that said... Pull out your brains, guys. Let's do some math. In a town, 70% of the men are married to 90% of the women. And each marriage is between one man and one woman as God intended when they made humans male and female. What percentage of the adult population are married? Wow. Well, it's that, that was that, actually in the question. It's that little, you know, is God intended <laughs> yeah. reference that suddenly made made math religious. <laughs> so after numerous complaints and attention from the British media, the World Grammar School in High Wycombe apologized for the offensive and gratuitous preaching. Speaking to Bucks Free Press earlier this week, Headmaster Philip Wayne said, I'm sorry on behalf of the whole school community of governors, staff, and boys for any offense this caused. <laughs> I mean, just, did, did, did the did the instructor apologize? I mean, other than the school, did the did the instructor apologize? Well, according to reports, the anti-gay question was part of the test to a higher level math student and written by a former full-time teacher. The retired teacher was volunteering, air quotes, uh-huh. at the school when he handed out the test. 
So apparently the volunteer will not be returning yeah. <laughs> to the school. Well, he just thought he'd work and, you know, no one would notice. He'd just work one little sentence, you know. <laughs> you know, if he just hadn't put his God intended the whole thing, <laughs> that's what happened. I have a comment. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, no. Um, it, it just reminded me of the story. I think it was North Korea. One of their math tests was like, if one grenade can kill four people, how many grenades, or how many Americans can eight grenades kill? <laughs> well, it was, like, it was you, like, he was talking about killing Americans. I was like, well, Americans are bigger than Koreans, so it might take like one grenade <laughs> for every two Americans instead of four. It's just that kind of like subliminal propaganda, you know, they're trying to just kind oh, of yeah, sneak totally. it into kids' brains that being gay is abnormal or whatever. And that changes the whole lot of dynamic, dynamic too. If that question happened in Utah, for example, would you have the same answer? <laughs> you know, <laughs> because, you know, being, being Mormon, so you're married to you're a man, so you're probably married to four or five wives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine Mormon algebra? If Fred has four wives, <laughs> and she'd be Adam positive. has eight. How many children do they have, according to national statistics? I think I like One that point point math eight. a lot better than, you know... <laughs> Someone has three apples and someone has six apples and one apple sells for six cents and the other one sells for a dime. How many are left at the end of George's lunch? You know, I think it's it's no, much no, no. more if, no, my if favorite guy, one. No, if this guy has three child brides and this guy that's has right. this many child brides, how many are left <laughs> in the end? Yeah, I know. That's if, what I'm saying. It makes math much more exciting. If one woman can Not give politically birth to correct, one baby in nine months, then two <laughs> women can give birth to how many babies in nine months? I think we ought to do a yeah. whole new math book because it's not politically correct, but a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. That means that I can have a baby in four and a half months. Also, right. <laughs> yeah. I think I said that to you. I think that was you, yeah. yeah. So what if they went to Scotland? How would they decide to go with that, you know? So if one woman, one man marries a sheep, and two women, <laughs> and the sheep produces a. <laughs> I don't know. What does Stonehenge say? <laughs> we should. Somebody call Yuri Geller now. Get him on the phone. <laughs> he can give us the answer to that. Well, thank you so much, guys, for your enlightening view on this. So let's. I, are you I, spilling beer all over my my floor? <laughs> Damn it, Kevin! Stop spilling beer. Jesus, Kevin. I, I have a question. I have a question I wanted to bring up though that I thought was kind of. Important before, and then Kevin. Hold on, uh, hold on. Let's, you have to <laughs> hold some on. Kind of a disclaimer. You gotta wait for Tyler. The comments of Tyler, well, not necessarily those of the Valley. We're we're talking about the Ig Nobel prizes, but I was just having this conversation the other day, and I see it in groups a lot where people are like, "If you can disprove evolution, then where? Let me know when you get your Nobel prize." I looked. I don't think they give Nobel prizes for evolutionary biology. <laughs> no, but if you want to my shorts, Nobel, yeah, if you want an Ig Nobel Prize, you got a shot it because you can <laughs> actually you can submit. Shot at the Ig Nobel you know, Prize they, at this point. They no. take they take submissions. No, but I see it a lot. I I I've said it myself to be perfectly honest with you. Where you talk to creationists and you say, "Well, when you disprove evolution, let me know when you win your Nobel Prize." I don't think that's accurate. I don't think they even give Nobel prizes for Idiocy. that kind of biology. My understanding, it's like. Physics, chemistry, medicine. No, but if you if no, you, but they do in literature. No, do they do one? Do they do. They have yeah. a Nobel Prize in literature. But if Peace. you came, with, if if you came with a way to disprove biology, you don't think they would give you a Nobel Prize? Are no, you kidding? I, I don't think so. I, I've never seen any Nobel prizes given. You've for, never seen for, any Nobel prizes at all for evolution. 
either. I don't even think it's... Well, there would be. If we've been thinking the wrong thing, hypothetically, for that long, and somebody were to come and go, oh, here's the obvious evidence that says it's wrong. I don't they think would so. Give you a, I don't they think would so, because a, they've never given Nobel Prizes for evolutionary discoveries in general, and they have given Nobel Prizes for Big Bang discoveries, like the cosmic microwave background radiation, <laughs> even though they discovered it by accident. There's a Nobel Prize for biology. For that, for medicine, I think. But it's all tied together. Yeah, I, the reason I don't medicine know. works is because I'm really of evolution. skeptical that you would even get a Nobel Prize if you could disprove evolution. Well, why don't you disprove evolution and then? <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there. Maybe somebody can message me and give me the info because I looked it up. I spent like probably a good hour. And you know I can usually find you know you, really you just you just derailed the entire show with that comment. I had thanks to. a lot. It was Tyler. really bugging me. The worst episode ever. <laughs> that I was on the internet within minutes, registering my disgust throughout the world. Yeah, <laughs> me telling you to get new sound effects is biting me in the ass. Oh, I had, I had that one for a long time actually. <laughs> All right, well let's get John on the line. All right, our next guest is John Hammond. And he's a, a, essentially a YouTube atheist, and he's been uh, making a splash out there with some of his uh, recent videos. They're quite uh, something to watch. So please welcome uh, John Hammond. Hey, John, how you doing? I'm doing just fine. How are you guys? Good, good. Nice to have you with us. This is Nancy. And this Hi, is Nancy. Kevin. Nice to meet you. <laughs> We're just not going to start introducing ourselves to each one of uh, them. <laughs> that's our live audience. We promise them sandwiches as long as they uh, clap first. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what kind of sandwiches? We hold them <laughs> What kind of sandwiches? <laughs> John, uh, uh, some of our audience obviously might not know your videos. Would you be so kind to give us a Reader's Digest version of who you are and how you came to do all this? All right, let's see. How do I break this down? Uh, Bible reading with commentary, like, like almost a... Uh, almost like a, a literary critique of Genesis, and it kind of evolved from there. There was a steep learning curve. I didn't really know what I was doing making videos at first, so they only start getting good like around 12 or 13, and then by episode, I think it was 17 or 18, I found out about like the Bible Reloaded and stuff, and was like, wow, these guys actually do it better than I do, uh, so I'm going to branch out a little. I started using more uh, like images and... Uh, Sort of went a different direction. I summarized Gilgamesh and uh, did a couple of like little mini skits, and uh, that's pretty much where I was taking that. Okay, well let's take let's take a minute here. We have the one of the videos Ezekiel, the Gospel according to John presents Ezekiel. Let's put in a minute of that. See what that sounds like. All right. <laughs> Oh look, a wheel within a wheel. The perfect visual metaphor for something convoluted. Dude, I think my mandrakes just kicked in. Hey Ezekiel, how's it going? Oh, hey God, what's up? Oh, you know, just chillin'. Listen dude, I need you to be my new prophet. Here, eat this scroll. Um, is it gluten free? Just eat it! Wow, it tastes as sweet as honey, that's kind of unexpected. I'm sending you to the Israelites to prophesy for them. They're a very rebellious people, so they won't listen to you. Are you hardening their hearts by any chance? Maybe. Okay, so what do you want me to say to them? 
At first, nothing. Nothing? Yep, at first I'm gonna tie you up and make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth. But when the time comes, you better fucking prophesy like crazy, dude. <laughs> well, okay, but if they're such a rebellious people, how am I gonna get through to them? Performance art. Performance art? What, would you prefer interpretive dance? Not really. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Thanks. <laughs> and that was just a, a minute of that Ezekiel where you basically kind of acting out your interpretation of what would have happened with the prophet Ezekiel. Yeah, more or less. I kind of inject my own sense of humor into it, but it it really is kind of a faithful adaptation of what's being said. So, I don't know. I had fun with that. I mostly do comedic videos, but occasionally something more serious. That's what I was kind of wondering there. Uh, did you take, like, creative license on anything? Or did you, like, I mean, obviously you had to. I don't think there was anything about dancing or interpretive um, dance. But. Yeah, the interpretive dance and, like, gluten-free reference are <laughs> just kind of contemporary. Yeah, those those but, are uh, Genesis 12, absolutely. That was there, I do recall, yeah. No, I think it's kosher, he says. Not oh, kosher, yeah. <laughs> Celebrate, <laughs> celibate. We'll see it. It, it's updated for a modern audience, but it's still saying basically the same thing. I've listened to every single episode, and I just die laughing every time. And people are like, what are you laughing at? And then I explain it. They're like, that's not funny. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck off. Critics everywhere. Critics everywhere. So, uh, John, I guess one of the things we would like to talk to about, about you today, uh, with you today is about uh, how you can compare some of these ancient myths and realize there's a lot of parallels in between them. Oh, yes, mm -hmm. there certainly are. Would you care to elaborate, sir? Um, well, okay, so... My mom was an anthropologist, so growing up, uh, when she was telling me stories, she was telling me stories from, like, ancient Sumer and Babylon and Akkad and the Assyrians and all these types of people. So I heard uh, more original versions of the stories before I ever read the Bible um, and, and didn't, like, realize that there were people that still believed in these things at first. I renew my objection to this pointless endeavor. Informally now and by affidavit later. Time permitting. I thought it was just kind of a literary iteration and how people take stories and make them their own as they pass them through cultures. Like, I didn't realize how much ego and shit people attached to this sort of thing. So yeah, it completely took me by surprise. Anyway, so there's, <laughs> there are lots of parallels, a shit ton of parallels, um, especially in the, especially in Genesis. Um, because a lot of people like go out there, think, they think that the, the story of Jesus and the story of Genesis, they think it's all original, and you're saying it's not. Now who's responsible, I say, who's responsible for this unwarranted attack on my person? Uh, yeah, the, like, Adam and Eve and their creation, uh, like, the Tower of Babel, and, and, like, there's so many different versions of the deluge that came from the Sumerian version. I mean, I realize there's, you know, other flood myths from around the world, too, but, like, the one in the Bible very much is based on the Mesopotamian ones, and, like, it's pretty clear that it is if you examine some of the, like, finer details rather than uh, the more generalized similarities. You mean like the uh, serpent in the garden and then the releasing of, I guess, birds in general from the ark? Oh, yeah. 
Um, especially because it's, you know, very specific types of birds and they're like released in specific orders. And um, those are kind of, I feel like those are small details that wouldn't really be present um, unless a story was being based directly on something rather than being differing accounts of the same event written by different people. Yeah, that's if pretty that hard to accidentally talk about releasing birds to find land. Yeah. After a flood yeah. on a boat. I Even mean, coincidence? I uh, think not. Significant. Especially yeah. the geographical proximity and whatnot. And obviously the Jews Absolutely. came from that area. So, yeah, no. That's like saying Mormonism wasn't stolen from Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> I did another video on Mormonism, too. Oh, good. Oh, well, check we, that out. We, know, we know for sure that um, Noah's flood was obviously based on the epics of Gilgamesh, which it in turn was actually based on another older story, which escapes me now. Do you remember what that uh, was? Well, it, it was sort of. Gilgamesh and, um, and the Noah account are both based on the Sumerian flood version. Which uh, I think it would be, uh, damn it, it's not coming to me. Uh, I think it's Ziasudra in that version. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Um, it's either Ziasudra or Atrahasis. I get them confused sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine how. It's the same damn story. Uh, but not clearly, Christopher. <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah, oh, sort okay. of. <laughs> she drink fast. <laughs> Way to go to derail the show, guys. <laughs> Shouldn't have brought yeah, beer to the show. Sorry. Yeah, like derail the show. Zuseda? Is that how you say that? Or he was I think it's Ziasudra. Ziasudra? Ziasudra. Ziasudra. Yeah. So or Atrahasis. Do we want to go into where Judaism came from or no? Sure. Let's go for it. Yeah. Because I'm a huge huge fan of Israel Finkelstein, who obviously lives in Israel, and he doesn't really have a a biased point of view. We have uh, Maximists, who are the archaeological equivalent of, you know, whatever they dig up, they look for a passage in the Bible to confirm it, and then we have the minimalists who say 100% of the Bible is bullshit, and then we have people like Israel Finkelstein, who are kind of in the middle ground and right. kind of, you know, they actually stick with the real decent evidence. And I guess the idea was that, you know, we have these polytheists living, you know, in Mesopotamia or Egypt or wherever it was. And then the, uh, you're going to have to correct me on these numbers here, but the Egyptian state collapses after the whole Sea People event. I think it's around 1208. Either way, famine, all this shit happens. The Egyptian state collapses and the Canaanites kind of, you know, spread out. And Mm. they've got this group, the Israelites or whatever the hell they were at that point. And they just go back and fabricate their history, you know. But they kind of link it to real events. Like, they look at Jericho and say, oh, that place was destroyed. So let's make up a story about our own ancestors. It's kind of like me fabricating my own history and saying... Well, my great-grandfather was a war hero in World War One, And then people say, well, there's evidence for World War One, therefore your grandfather must have been real. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Right. Like fictional history or historical fiction or whatever they call it. And I guess these... Revisionist history? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like Holocaust denial. 
That kind well, of yeah, thing. Well, yeah, basically they're like, okay, we're moving in at, because our god says that's cool, so, yeah, we're in charge now. Yeah, they had to make up a history. I mean, they clearly did not yeah, and conquer if, if, you, if you borrow from real events and you modify them yeah. a bit, it kind of gives them a bit of legitimacy. Yeah, if you look... Yeah. If, I think I, may, maybe I've said this on the show before, I'm not sure, but there's been multiple cities that are listed in the Bible as having been destroyed by the old Joshua campaign, uh, oh, yeah. campaign after Moses died. Some of these cities were destroyed like a thousand years apart. So apparently Joshua had a fucking time machine. Hmm. But well, He's just very so, slow moving. But they didn't know back then that you would be able to radiometric date these events. Clearly they didn't know that. So they kind of... Also, there would have been like an advantage of like psychological warfare if you went into war and everyone thought that you had some supreme being behind you that was going to flatten their city with a wind you know like it would psych them out well it's more like your country being destroyed and then you can just fuck off and make up your own shit oh yeah and nobody can disprove you because everything went to hell if yeah and it's written after the fact too like exactly yeah so well, they can say whatever they want a lot of christians will well, maybe, Jews, maybe Jews too. I don't want to speak on behalf of Jews because I don't really know any. And Nancy's sitting across <laughs> from me, so I don't want. <laughs> <laughs> but the 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 Merneptah Stila is the um, pharaoh yeah. uh, that basically said, well, "I captured these people, and I captured those people, and I killed these people. Oh, and by the way, I completely destroyed Israel. Their seed exists no more." So I, I think that's kind of the idea is that there was this group of Israelites or whatever you want to call it living within uh, Canaan like the Canaanite society and then after the state collapsed they just kind of went on their own and you know fabricated their own history but if you think about it you got to convert the people who are around you right mm-hmm. so it, it's, like, just, it's just like how the, the Christians they be like their idols be snares to us or something well it's like how the, the, the Christians included a lot of Roman stuff, oh, like yes. the the virgin birth and all these different things that were common within Greek society. I think that's what the Jews did. They didn't just invent their own random religion. They stole from the Mesopotamian beliefs in order to get converts. Does that make sense? Like that's why there's so many pagan themes within Christianity. Is because how do you convert the Romans to Christianity? You add Roman elements to Christianity, and I think that's kind of the same. Make it more palatable to the Romans. Yeah, right? palatable. That's yeah. the word. Thank you. So I think that's kind of the the same thing that happened with the Jews and stealing from the Mesopotamian beliefs, and that's why we have you know similarities between doesn't it, doesn't the Epic it kind of, of Gilgamesh ring? and the Noah's Ark and all that other shit. Doesn't it ring to you kind of like uh, that game of hands where you got the hand over top of the hand over top of the hand? Whoever's hand is on top at the end is the winner. Yeah. So you destroy the the symbols of everyone else's gods, and you replace them with your your own symbols of your god, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I'm wondering, um, John, what your I guess favorite or most interesting similarities would be, aside from the most common, which would obviously be the uh, flood story from the Epic of Gilgamesh and uh, the Noah's Ark. I understand there are some similarities with the Adam and Eve story, but if you yes. could just kind of yeah, go into favorites? that, that'd be great. Give us yeah. your top ten best ones, John. Yeah. If the mm-hmm. Top ten similarities. Top ten, we're, we're going to be here for like ten. two hours. Because <laughs> like, I'm, I'm so much more interested in the differences, especially similarities that are also different. Like, the, the serpent is present in 
you know, both the Sumerian and the biblical version. But in the Sumerian version, it's Enki, and he's he's kind of the good guy, giving them sort of a free will concept. Um, it, it's like only later when that's been adopted into this other mythology that it becomes, you know, he's being the bad guy. Because they didn't want people to think for themselves. Well, you know, it, 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 it totally translates because when you read the accounts of Genesis, the serpent, which, by the way, is not Satan, because it never says it's Satan, it just says the serpent, right. uh, actually comes across kind of like a good guy. He really does. You know, he's like, no. so. The liberator. Yeah, he totally does. Yeah, but Paradise yeah, Lost light. by John <laughs> You Miller, say that in Latin. <laughs> Luciferous. There you go. So what other similarities you, or differences you'd like to point out? Can we, can we start with Adam and Eve? Because that's kind of the... Well, we all did, didn't we? (laughs) (laughs) I started with a monkey. (laughs) Yeah, that's a joke, son. Don't you get it? I made a funny, son, and you're not laughing. All right, well, um, the... A lot of it's... uh, A lot of it's fairly, like, surface. um, Because... You know, there's only so much that's even similar about the, like, initial creation versions. Um, But in terms of, like, depictions of the garden itself and, like, things that are in it, that's very similar. And then it just kind of moves on. There's, you know, different versions of the Tower of Babel and, and obviously the Flood story crops up a lot. Um... Not a lot of people talk about the Tower of Babel. Yeah, it's really one of those stories. Isn't that it Babel? Babel, Babel, Babel. Babel. I'm, I'm pretty sure Babel. that I'm pretty sure it was evidence like, for oh, ancient no. aliens or some shit. At yeah, one point. what similarities did you find with the Tower of Babel? Babel. Yourself, well, John. In both of them, they're building a tower to reach the heavens, and they're you know afraid that they're going to be spread all over the world. And it's a story that doesn't really make sense <laughs> in what we know about how languages develop. But it, it does kind of encapsulate probably the people of the times fears about, you know, living in societies that are dependent on these systems and how they can collapse and things like that. Which other civilization had a story similar to Babel? Was that the... Uh... Um, well, you know, Babylon and Sumer and, like, all of those city-states all had their ziggurat as a central feature of their city. Just, 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 to, just to make a point, because I, I, I think I lost that at the beginning of the conversation. When you talk about the Sumerians and versus the early Jews, how much of a time difference is there between the two civilizations here? Yeah. Oh. Shit, like... Thousands, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it it's hard to say since it's really hard to pin down when Judaism actually starts. Good point. But um, in terms of when the cuneiform tablets are being made in ancient Sumer, it's probably about six thousand years ago from today. Hey, that's when the Earth was created. So you're <laughs> so you're talking like five? Is it five thousand BCE? Um. As far as I know, the the first ones come around uh, like four thousand. Okay, my understanding, which is poor at the moment, um, (laughs) I'm kind of inebriated. But it was like three thousand something something BCE, and the Bible, the Old Testament, whatever. As far as I'm concerned, is less than uh, three thousand years old. 
Oh, easily. I think, like, I, I know they different. try to claim that well, Abraham lived in 1800 BCE. Yeah, fuck off. He ain't got yeah, shit about him that. for, like, 2,000 years afterwards. Yeah, they, they had their oral history and stuff, but, like, the, the Old <laughs> Testament itself was written down to, like, 600 BCE or so. Yeah, no, and, and that's kind of the idea is that the Old Testament was written during the uh, Babylonian exile and this and that. And most, exactly. people, most people kind of don't get that because the Bible says Abraham lived, was it 1800 BCE? Yeah, 1800 BCE. I don't BCE. think the Bible says that. No, it does. It was even before yes. that because yes. it's like, it it's does. like it Moses' time, sometime between 18 and 16, I think. Something and, like that. And, and then so it's Moses like 400 is like, more years from now. Moses is like, 1300, 1500. Really? Kind of depends on how you want to But we don't have any texts until hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, so. Yes, we can't really say. We can say what they say, which is almost certainly not true. There is nothing about Abraham at all until well over 1,000 years after he supposedly lived. Which is why most oh, yeah. most scholars consider him to be a fictional character. All of the patriarchs. I, I would think so. Yeah, I, well, there's just no evidence for well, it. Well, when you see it in that sort of context, like, the, the whole Bible was... Speaking of the mic, tradition. dude, I'm not hearing you. Oh, sorry. The whole Bible was an oral tradition of one particular people, right? It has to be, because otherwise, who did they marry? Like, Cain and Abel and all that stuff, right? Um, Abraham being... Yeah, they have to go to Nod, and there would presumably have to be people there already. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. You know how, like, sometimes they do, like, composition characters for a movie, so they don't have to have, like, ten different people acting in a movie. They'll Mm. put the best of traits into one person, right? That sort of sounds like Abraham would have been. Totally. We love God, therefore, let's cut off a piece of our penis. Good idea. What the fuck does that make any sense? It, It doesn't. I, I maybe there were health benefits there back is. then, but I, I think that Moses is probably about one percent true, and Abraham is about zero uh, percent true. That's my personal opinion, based on the evidence. I think that Moses. Yeah, Moses is probably loosely based on whoever led the the uh, Canaanite exodus into that area. Uh, you mean out? Like you mean out of that? You mean out of that area? That. I didn't get that. You mean out of that area? Um, the there, there, there was no invasion of the Canaanites. No, there wasn't. Um, there was a big ass fucking volcano people, where like, people just like ran Moses like hell. Probably based on whoever led a small group of people into uh, Canaan, and then were like, "Okay, so we got to make up this fictional history now." You just say Canaan. Mm, yeah. Have I been pronouncing this shit wrong publicly for years and years? <laughs> Most everybody it? does. I mean, it, it has a double A, so I pronounce it with a long. I call a sound. I call it Canaan. Yeah, most everyone does. Yeah, at least. Well, I figured Canaan was just too obvious, right? Like I'm gonna be smart and I'm gonna call it Canaan, and now you're telling me I'm pronouncing it wrong. I don't know. It looks to me like it should be Canaan. Well, the. the I'd, li- I'd like to highly, highly recommend the uh, Nova PBS documentary called The Bible's Buried Secrets, and it's mostly mo- mostly Israel Finkelstein. No, I showed it to you, and you gave me a review. Oh, well, that's probably why it sounds familiar. Hey, John, 
Did you have you only done like the Book of Genesis, or have you done like other epic stories throughout the Bible and stuff like that? I'm uh, well, that last okay. Time. So really cool. I've I've done from you know in the beginning yeah to um to right before uh, Joseph's portion of the story cropped okay. up, and then I was like, okay, well, I am gonna have to finish Genesis eventually, but I kind of want to take this in a different direction. Yeah, and. That's when I was like, I know, I'll do Ezekiel and Gilgamesh and maybe start doing some from the New Testament since it's like, you oh. know, called Gospel According to John and that would yeah, make no a bit doubt. more sense than what sort I'm doing. self-serving, right? <laughs> I'd yeah. love to see what you'd do with Job, though. Like, that's apparently the oldest book written in the Bible. Uh, That'd be kind of cool. Uh, ah, Job. He sees I a dragon. Wait, what, I could have what, so much what, fun with that idea. What's the, yeah, date on Job. Job. what's the date on Job manuscript-wise? I don't know, but it predates all the other ones. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. <laughs> I don't know, but... Well, according to Tyler, I think it's the 1800s somewhere. That's <laughs> 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 us for everything right now. I don't know about Job. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> well, uh, right here I have a, a clip from I'm here. guessing Genesis probably is the oldest. I have a clip here from uh, the Epics of Gilgamesh, according to John, part three. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you said from uh, there's one minute in there that kind of really explains what the Epics of Gilgamesh were all about. Excellent. Is that what you said? Are you saying there, John? Um, it's the, the scene is where Gilgamesh is in the underworld crossing the river of death that, of course, runs through the center of paradise. And uh, the boatman, Urshanabi, is telling him the story of the flood from the Sumerian perspective as he's journeying to the island where the ancient immortal one lives so that he can hopefully gain immortality. That sounds, the boatman <sighs> and all that, that sounds, sounds like really, sticks. Yeah, the yeah sticks really, I was going to say, it sounds yeah. really Greek, doesn't it? Yeah, that's awesome. It I does sound very Greek. Okay, well, let's listen to this and let's, uh, let's talk about it after. And so Gilgamesh and Urshanabi the boatman crossed the river of death. Long ago, Enlil was just as much of a dick as he is now. He wanted to wipe out mankind because they were complaining too much about being slaves. So he told the other gods not to warn mankind of the flood he was sending to destroy them. But the god Enki disobeyed and warned King Ziasutra of the coming deluge. When the storm hits, even the gods are frightened away. Water poured from the sky and swept over the land, but the king and his family and the beasts of the field were safe inside of the ark. At first Enlil is furious, but after some coaxing he makes Yasudra and his wife immortal. Hey, I know that story, that's the whole reason I'm here in fact. Indeed I know. Well we're here. Nice talking with you Gilgamesh. Yep, thanks for the ride. See you later Charon or Urshanabi or whatever. (laughs) Nice. Hey John. In, in all your yeah. research, it and sounds like you've done like, quite a bit of research on this. Like, wh- What do you think, in your opinion, anyway, I, I know there's probably not enough evidence to really make a sound decision on it, but where do you think the, uh, the flood legend originated, in your opinion? Um, probably with a proto-Sumerian culture. Um, there's evidence for a historical flood in the area. Of what scale? Uh, let's see. Um, of a province in Sumer... I'm trying to figure out how to pronounce this word. It, it looks like it's Shurupak. Okay. Um, so there was a culture there at one point, and it got wiped out by the Euphrates River flooding really bad. And I think either that or, um, like, the breakup of a glacial lake in the area even oh. earlier was probably the inspiration for the Sumerian flood. So they just attached, like, meaning to it and used it as a way of telling stories and 
passing on morals and stuff like that? Yeah, pretty much. I get the feeling that in ancient cultures, these stories weren't necessarily regarded as literally true so much as an interesting way to tell a story. It seems like it's later when people start like attaching so much meaning yeah. to all this that it becomes this thing that they'll fight and kill and die for. Absolutely. So, what about Zoroastrianism? Where, where do you put that in the whole grand scheme of things? Um, actually, I don't know too much about that beyond the fact that it exists and that Mithra is a thing to them and sort of the very, very basics of that belief system. Okay, because a lot of people have been uh, attributing Zoroastrian as one of the earlier mythologies that started differentiating between good and evil. You know, there was the, the good god and, of course, his counterpart, and which, of course, would have evolved into or given us our god versus the devil thing. Um, well, you know, the Assyrians certainly predate the Bible. The thing is, they, they use that winged crest, you know, the winged disc design that you see in ancient Egypt and uh, Sumer and whatnot. Um, theirs is stylistically more developed than the Sumerian version, so I think that is more likely to be the original, because, I mean, the, the artwork is essentially more crude and hence more primitive. Hmm. Interesting. Also, the Genesis uh, account, like, it's, uh, it clearly has elements of, like, poetry and storytelling in itself, right? Oh, sure. Like, uh, I mean, it's foreshadowing like a, doesn't happen in real life. Yeah. You know? And it's like, it's almost like a story told to, like, kids that are coming of age that sort of educates yeah. them on, like, on Especially sex. Adam and Eve, you know, and, like, allegory of, like, serpents and forbidden fruit. Yeah, and, euphemism for a penis and, like, basically, you know, like, totally. yeah, the, paradise would be innocence, right? And when you have sex for the first time, you can't undo that. You know now. Yeah, like. everything's different, and you have to, like, move into being an agrarian society. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Well, and, and you also got to think, back in those days, they didn't have an explanation for a bunch of stuff. And if you, actually, if you actually read the Bible, what you find is that the Jews are constantly trying to explain why bad fucking shit happens to them <laughs> all yeah. the time. They're like, we're the chosen people. Oh, we all died. Ah, fuck. What did we do wrong? God was mad at us. Because they well, have to we, be... We built our civilization at the crossroads between several much larger empires. Duh. No, they, ha they have to be the chosen people, no matter what bad things happen to them. So they Well, come of course, because they have to reinforce their own egos while yeah, facing exactly. the, re the reality of the repeated subjugation. So, so things back in those days was childbirth is very painful. Well... It's a wonderful thing. Why does it hurt? Well, let's make up some shit. Because God says so. God. Yeah, why God does all it. this bad stuff happen to us? Well, it used to be great, and then that stupid bitch fucking ate the apple, and now everything went to hell. And that's Punishment, why, you see. That's foods. why we have disease and you know, you know all these different things. I mean, yeah, yeah and that's why women should make me sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Delete that part, Kev. I, 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 love, I love you, John. Because, well, you know, it's because the Bible says so. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, well, and it's, it's it's extremely sexist as well. Which oh, I got. Yeah. I I gotta be perfectly honest with you. If we're talking like two, three thousand years ago, me and these Kevin's would be sitting around writing a book and be like, you know what? These bitches are gonna be doing some shit for us. They're gonna be yeah. doing. What if they had sandwiches back? God then? says, make me a sandwich. Well, I'm going to have to rate this uh, episode uh, R rating because there's well, been so many swears it, in it. It would, though. That would, that's it, though. It's not even just Christianity. It's, it's all of them. It's written by men 
and that's why men have all the power and why women are supposed to be subservient. And Nancy's the only female in the room, so I think she should speak up. I think the conversation is just so far beyond me. I'm better off listening and being quiet. Are you, are you familiar with the, uh, I guess, ancient myths that kind of spawn Judaism and Christianity? Yeah, like, uh, it's like what's what's that? I can't when remember did what it that originate. I can't remember what that saying is. It's something like Christianity is the son of Judaism and Mormonism is like the retarded little brother or something like that. <laughs> No, actually, I was, you know, although my family is Jewish and they observed a lot of the holidays, I never had uh, a religious upbringing. So it was only as an adult that I began to understand or or at least be exposed to a lot of things when I became a Unitarian Universalist and ran the Sunday school. That's when I had to read the books and so forth. I mean, I had been aware of a lot of it. But I'm, I still have never read the Bible, and so you know, all of it, it's familiar to me because I've heard another a, a number of people discuss it over the years. It's, but it's not you're not missing I'm, out. Yeah, yeah no, it's not anything I've immersed See, myself. You've never in. read the Bible? No, it's not even it's, a, it's not even a good read for a literal. My, my uh, God, I I must have read the New Testament at least probably two dozen times, and I read the Old Testament maybe like three because it's just so fucked. It's just it is. The, the Old that, Testament that's is so bad. That's been more interesting. The Old Testament is so bad I, and so long. The New Testament is like, love everybody and let's be socialists. And the Old Testament is like, I'm going to murder your babies because you didn't circumcise yourself. It's just horrible. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. No, I think, I think the, the, the whole lesson to learn about all this is as atheists, we don't look at these myths as necessarily... Uh, with, with, with hatred. We don't like the effects they've had on society, but we also understand that it was our first attempt as an infant species to understand the world around us. So in mm-hmm. a way, you can't really be mad at them. But it wasn't, though. Animism, according to recorded history, would probably be our first attempt. In yeah, but... Uh, animism kind of spawn these kind of religions right yeah it kind of is i mean if you just think about just think about logical fallacies like god of the gaps you know they didn't understand shit so in order to get a population to listen to you like you got to think about being a man back in those days yeah if yeah. i've got the answers i'm getting all the food i'm getting all the sex That's i'm right. getting all the right. stuff i all i got to do is make shit up that they can't disprove and that's exactly what they well, did. Well, you have to come up with a reasonable answer to a question that the population well, would accept. Genesis is absolutely fucking ridiculous. They oh. got plants before <laughs> the sun and all this other crap. And then they say, oh, <laughs> cosmic microwave background radiation mm. proves the Bible was right. Let there be light. Yeah, like 400,000 years after. Yeah, the but if, if, if several thousand years ago you would have said cosmic backwave radiation, people wow, would have said, huh? But light, if you say light, that the stars wow. are twinkly points of light in the sky, that makes sense. Well, that, that's my point. Yeah, yes. exactly. So my, my question is, regarding like things like the tree of knowledge, does that exist elsewhere? Good question. Uh, the well, tree of knowledge is the thing I'm tree of knowledge and the tree of life. As I understand it, the, uh, the tree of knowledge and the tree of immortality uh, both exist in the Babylonian Sumerian versions. And heck, there's also versions of these like magical fruit trees in a lot of different cultures. Uh, particularly like the Chinese and stuff and like uh, Sun Wukong stealing the forbidden fruit from 
uh, I forget their names, but you know, the emperor and empress of the universe. It's just, it's just funny. Like we always make this joke regarding Christianity and Judaism and whatnot with the whole tree of knowledge is don't learn shit pisses God off. Well, yeah, because you learn shit. You don't believe in God anymore. <laughs> but, but so, okay, so I posted this link in my group a while back, and you commented on it, and, and so did a few other pretty well-educated people. There were some serious flaws with it, which is why I posted it, because I was kind of skeptical. It's like those logical fallacies. Yeah, I was really skeptical about the link. I wasn't 100% sure, but anyways, you went on and made some really good comments about Hercules coming from, was it Samson? And like all these different uh, characters coming from older characters. Like, hold on, you say yeah, they, is older they than came from the same archetype, which was that, probably yeah, laid down. Like, yeah, I was, I was hoping maybe you could list some of them because I really, really enjoyed those comments, actually. And then I looked, ah, well, I looked most them up, of the hero like, archetypes um, are based on Gilgamesh. Like, like Moses. Moses was from that dude whose name starts with an S, and I can't say it. Oh, well, his origin story is based on the origin story of Sargon of Akkad. Yeah, he, he was in, like, a wreath basket and some other crap. Sauron? Sealed with bitumen. You say Sauron or Sargon? So, Sauron. Sargon. Is, I told Sauron you, the with Lord the ring, of the Rings, I told you guys. <laughs> it's a true story, I swear. I got Hobbit fossils to prove it. <laughs> so go ahead, John. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, just it, if you want to elaborate on that, that would be great. Just I lost my train of thought. Where are we? Just the, uh, the, the characters from the Bible that were actually based on previous characters. Like, like Moses. Moses ah, and yeah. somebody else. Well, you know, Adam and Eve. And uh, I'm pretty sure that Yahweh is based on Enlil from Sumerian and Babylonian mythology. Um, the, the serpent in... Uh, in the Genesis account, seems to be based on Enki, um, and you know later iterations, lots are based on Gilgamesh. Uh, there aren't a whole lot of direct correlations; more like um, archetypal characters being based on other archetypal characters, mm -hmm. or just sort of filling in that role the that strong was man. laid down by different culture. The liberator, the strong man, right. Yeah, you notice they never say exactly what uh, Samson did while he was judge of Israel, aside from all this, you know, heroic nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. huh. That's interesting. How about somebody more recent? Was there a cor uh, uh, not a correlation? Not a correlation, but is there is there Analog? a similar character to Jesus in some of the other myths? Hmm. Well, there's elements here and there, but I. He's not like directly based on every anyone in particular. Like, and there's plenty of like misinformation that incorrectly identifies things. So it's it's hard to sift through it all. But there are elements of you know Dionysus and um, and other you know like like the whole virgin birth concept and things like that. But it, it's not as it's not as uh, directly based as like the zeitgeist made it out to be. 
quite a bit of that in in his historicity of uh, of Jesus. He goes through, and I can't remember one part of it, but I I know in in going through the book when we had him here as a as a lecturer, mm-hmm. he he yeah. was able to tie an awful lot of the the myth from different cultures into into the Jesus uh, concept as well. Cool. Well, thank yeah. you so much, John, for all your time here on the show. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, if somebody wants to learn more about uh, about you and what you do, and where where would they go? Um, well, most of my stuff's on my DeviantArt, which is hamo one seven zero one dot deviantart. Uh, so H A M O one seven zero one, and they should definitely keep a lookout for the falling star. Like, find it on Facebook and subscribe, so you can get updates and take a look at some of the art because I'm wrapping up production on that here pretty soon and it's going to kind of blow some minds I think mm-hmm. The Falling Star on Facebook Okay, we'll make sure to follow that The Falling Star The Falling Star on Facebook And if somebody wants to learn more about the subject is there some some resources you would recommend? Uh, to learn more about uh, parallels? Yes mm-hmm. Oh uh, well, I would just read the differing accounts and draw your own parallels. There we go. Do so. Do your own research. Good people. Yes, absolutely. Before I let you go, John, can I get you to say one thing for me? Can I get you mm. to say hi? My name is John Hammond, and I took a left at the valley. Hi, my name is John Hammond, and I took a left at the valley. And that was John Hammond. Very interesting interview, and it's going to take me probably forever to edit all this. <laughs> it should be fine, nonetheless. Uh, John really wanted to try to push uh, his uh, latest project. He really wanted to push the Falling Star, the project that he's working on. So let's listen for a minute or so what that's going to sound like. Before the beginning, before there was light, there was darkness. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. But that, of course, is only part the story. So God created a host of angels and seven archangels to command them. They would gather the darkness whilst the Lord created the universe. First came Samael. God bestowed tremendous power onto Samael for he had a very special purpose in mind for his little light bringer. Next was Michael, whom also received tremendous power. Raphael and Gabriel were next. Raphael was given more strength than his brothers, and Gabriel was gifted with incredible speed. Ariel and Uriel were created with perfect memory and as reflections of feminine beauty in youth and age. The last of the archangels was Azrael, and God created him with a pang of sadness, knowing what the future would hold for poor Azrael. When the call went out among the angelic hosts to take up arms against the darkness, the archangels assembled proudly before the throne of God. Michael was made second in command with Raphael as his aide. Gabriel, being the fastest, became a messenger. Ariel, Uriel, and Azrael were appointed as advisors. But the archangel Samael was sent to the front to play music for the troops. God forbade him to fight the darkness. Samael was angry. Power coursed through him. To simply play his music was a waste of his talents. Samael yearned to win glory for himself in battle. Am I not more powerful than the others? Was I not the first created? Why give me the power and then forbid me to use it? I should be leading this army. Samael began to nurse a silent grudge against his creator. Thus the heavenly host departed, and the war against the darkness began. 
and that's going to be very interesting to see. It's essentially the stories from the angels from their point of view. So we're looking forward to hearing that uh, work from John. We'll keep an eye on that for sure. Thank you so much for being with us today on the show. Thank you to Kevin, Tyler, and Nancy at my calls as usual. Coming up next, next week we'll have David Silverman, the president of the American Atheist Association and Firebrand Atheist and one of my favorites. That should be great. We should be doing a show on climate change real soon too. We'll have uh, we'll talk about St. Paul because we always talk about the Jesus in, in, in the Bible. We never think about the influence of Paul on the Bible. Our friend David Fitzgerald. We also have Satanist who will be coming and joining us towards the end of the month. Just in time for Halloween. And of course, our Halloween episode, which will have our friends from the Legion of Reason join us to give us some ghost stories. And of course, in November, we'll have our friends Arn Raw. Our old friend Arn Raw is coming back talking to us about his book he just wrote. You can always follow us on Facebook, on Twitter. You can follow us at leftatvalley.com. You can send me an email at leftatvalley@outlook.com. You have something you want to say, you want to come on the show, you have something, you suggestion, or even just a death threat or a letter saying how much we suck or not, feel free to send it to us. We're always willing to listen to what you guys are saying. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Until next time. Jesus is or Zeus, Thor, Mithra, Vishnu, you don't believe in them. I think the reason is apparent. You do what you're told and believe in the God assigned by your parents. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.